Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, open them to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. That's one of the places we'll be. We'll be in John 10 as well in a Bible study that I've entitled, Why Was Jesus Born? Now, of course, we're around the Christmas holidays, and it's definitely, obviously Christmas time. Lights are on the houses. In our neighborhood, they're putting lights up on the, to the tippy top of the trees. Manger scenes are out cookies and brownies and families and fun. It's everywhere. And Christmas songs start to play everywhere. The malls, the shopping markets, the, in our homes. I mean, isn't it great? You just have to love hearing the name of Jesus being sung just about everywhere you go. Amen to that? It's awesome. Whether you believe in God, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you believe in God or not, the name of Jesus is being proclaimed on many, many lips. But of course, with Christmas songs, that also means you're going to hear about old Saint Nick and I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. And then Grandma, she got run over by a... Every year, you would think she would learn by now that the reindeer's coming and she needs to get out of the way. Elvis belting out his blue Christmas. But hey, you got to learn to take the good with the bad around this time. And we know that dreaming of a white Christmas, we now as a church understand what a real white Christmas is, right? It's not snow on the ground. A real white Christmas is on the 25th of December, there is snow falling. And don't tell anyone, but sometimes just around Christmas time, just a little bit, I happen to sort of kind of like the snow around Christmas. It does change things, but don't tell anyone, all right? There's something great and something exciting and something wonderful about Christmas. It just bring, tends to bring out the best in most people. There's a tendency toward peace and joy and happiness, and for good reason. As the Bible declares, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven's armies will make this happen. And so as people get together and happiness starts to flow, there's a thrill of hope in the air. A thrill of hope. Like we just sang, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks in a new and glorious morn. You see, you came out today. You grab a parking space, come a little early. You begin to hear the festive music. You see everyone dressed up in various colors. You hear the hum of the room. You see the smiles. You see people reconnecting and greeting. And, and you, get against, you start to get a sense when you walk into a room like this, 
filled with men and women, boys and girls that are following Jesus, you get a sense that there's happiness, that there's a change or a difference here. Why? Because we are happy. We're very happy. As the Bible says, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So yes, we're happy. And we're encouraged as we begin to reflect, as followers of Jesus Christ, we begin to reflect of how it all began. The birth of the Savior, God wrapped up in human flesh. Yes. Sure, outside of these walls, I'm sure there are still people fighting at Walmart over a $15 television, I'm sure. People fighting for parking spaces, people upset, people fighting for who knows what reasons, and yet they're doing so in the midst of so much more festive joy that's among us. I know it's not always super festive and happy this time of year. I I know that great difficulty sits in this room right now, in the hearts and the minds of many of you. You look to the happiness and the festivity around you, and you're not so excited to be involved. You're not so excited to, to get involved. I mean, some of you are here by choice. Some of you are here sort of unwilling and you can think of a thousand other things you'd rather be doing than listening to a guy talk about God. And, and then when it comes to the, to the time of the holidays, you know, the holidays just tend to be a more difficult time for you than any other time of the year. You've experienced great loss. You've experienced great pain. I know that whether you're here in the room with us or you're listening live on the radio or watching online somewhere, pain touches all of our lives and difficulties. If you haven't already experienced, you will soon enough. And what that does, what pain does, is it leads to a lot of different questions. Questions that are in this room right now, that if we were to hand out little pieces of paper and pencils, you would write down those questions and you would say things like, why? Why did God allow this? And why didn't God stop that? And here you are, all festive and all singing, but where's the reality, pastor? Where's the reality? There seems to be a disconnect between the happiness of the room and the difficulty in my life. So why, why, are you, why are you so encouraged? Why are you so happy? Maybe some of you might be thinking right now, you know, why are you so fake, Pastor? Why don't you just be real? You know, the good news for me is that I'm as real as I possibly can be in whatever moment I walk up onto the stage. That's just how I've chosen to live my life. The good, the bad. The happy, the sad. And while I haven't walked you even a mile, not even a few steps in your shoes, there's one thing that's very common in this room, and that's pain and difficulty. And one thing that's very common in this room is that we're all asking questions, and most of them surround the why. I've had the privilege of being here in Colorado now for 20 years. Our church just celebrated a 20-year anniversary, and and I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to people. And you know what most, most of the catalysts of someone calling the church here, someone emailing me, someone reaching out, most of the time the catalyst is a pain point in someone's life. Where they're wanting to have direction and help. They want insight. What do I do and how do I do this and what's going on and how do I handle this and what am I supposed to do and on and on. And many times the conversations that have led between you and me, the reason why you're even listening to a Bible study is because God has taken a situation and he's used it to get your attention so that your attention will be toward God. 
so that if you did write everything out and I had a basket up here and I began to really read them one by one, a couple of things would, would be obvious. Number one, the room is filled with common pain. And number two, I don't have the answer for you. And that can be disappointing and discouraging for people. I don't have the answer to those why questions. I don't know why God allowed. I don't. And I don't know why God let. And I don't know why God is even allowing you to continue in your sinful behavior, knowing full well that you're going to hurt yourself. And you're, I don't know why. I don't know. I wouldn't even attempt to try to explain the whys of God because I don't know the whys of God. But I do know this. Those who have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ, there is purpose in the pain. Even though it's not fully revealed, there is always purpose in everything that happens in the life of a believer. So that for you, by faith in Jesus, you can say today that God, I know my God and he works all things together for good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. And while I don't see how this piece is going to fit, like a puzzle, like a thousand piece puzzle, you got that one, I don't see how this piece is going to fit. Over time, it'll fit. And I'll see just where it put, just where it belongs. I want you to consider just for a moment, as you are listening to me, I want you to consider this. I, I want you to consider the pain that follows people in the Bible. Let's just say in the Christmas story, in the Christmas story, Joseph is betrothed, or what we would call today, engaged to a woman, to a young woman, probably in her late teens, to be married. For the Jewish man to be betrothed was just as good as being married. It was one of the pieces of the steps of until that day of consummation where they would know each other intimately on their, married, on their marriage day. They were committed to one another, monogamous, no one else for the rest of their lives. They were following through with God's will, one man, one woman, one lifetime. That was marriage, that is marriage. And they were living that in the Jewish culture. I want you to consider for a second Joseph having a conversation with his betrothed, engaged woman named Mary, and Mary had some news to break to Joseph. And here's the news. Joseph, I'm pregnant. How does he feel? He knows. He knows that that's an impossibility considering Joseph and Mary. They've never been together. That's an impossibility. How does he feel? when he considers the impossibility of what she's saying to him, that that child within his betrothed wife's womb is not from him. Now, her answer was, you know, you can imagine that conversation. Joseph said, well, what, what happened? Oh, it was God. Oh, it was God. Yeah, it was God. The Bible gives us enough to know about Joseph that he was an honorable man and he was going to take care of Mary and set her aside privately. But that moment in his life, I'm sure, wrecked him. Destroyed all of his hopes and all of his dreams. How could he possibly recover from this? His whole life, he would be forever, he would be forever looked down upon. He would be forever mocked. He would be forever ostracized. What, what is a man to do? You know, we read the Bible sometimes and we think, oh, you know, those are people that are not like us. They live so many years, thousands of years from us. And, and, you know, when you're reading the Bible, not only do you feel that distance from the people, but you also, you have the whole story. We have the whole story. We know how it worked out. But the people of the Bible as they're living life, 
They're learning their story in the moment, just like you do. And so you receive the text message and you receive the phone call and you receive the news and you receive the letter and you received it in the moment and it's wrecked you. And you're asking why. Those aren't bad questions to ask. God is not threatened by the questions that you ask of him. He doesn't condemn you or judge you. But I want to add to you today, of all the questions that you ask, I want to add a question to you that I can't answer because the Bible clearly answers it. Of all the what and the who and the how questions in your life, and even the why questions, let me add one to your list that I want to ask and answer for us today, and that's this. Why did Jesus Christ come to earth? Why was Jesus born? Why did God the Father send his only begotten son to the earth to be wrapped up in humanity? Why? Let me give you a couple reasons. Number one, why, did, why was Jesus born? Why is the celebration of his birth so important? Number one, Jesus was born to seek out and save the lost. He was born for that. You know, many of you are in a career right now, many of you are on a track in life where you could look back and go, man, I was born for this. And you're so confident. You, you have that grasp of what God's will. I know when I look at my life and what I'm doing right now, no doubt, 100%, I was born for this. It was a rough road to get here, but I was born for this. This is why I was put on the earth. Why was Jesus put on the earth? To seek and to save the lost. That's where we meet a guy in Luke chapter 19 by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very prominent, very wealthy man. His job, his career path, he was a tax collector. And being a tax collector as a Jewish man put him in a very difficult place. It made him both traitor and thief at the same time. He was a representative of the Roman government and was given the task to take taxes and distribute them back to the Roman government. But here's the thing. Tax collectors were given the freedom to take more than what was required and they could keep that for themselves. And he became a rich man ripping off his fellow men and fellow women families. Notice with me in verse one of chapter 19 in Luke, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was gonna pass by that way. When Jesus came, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and great joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they've grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And listen to what Jesus says. He said, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I can step back and say that Jesus came to seek and to save those of you that are lost, whether you admit it or not. Those of you that have separated yourself from God 
through your own sinful behavior. Doesn't Jesus know he's a sinful man? Zacchaeus, yes. That's why he came. And notice in Zacchaeus' life, everything changes when he's invited into his home. Now, of course, Jesus invited himself, but he gives you the same invitation. You know, the Bible uses a lot of pictures, a lot of metaphors to describe how God relates to us. And one of them is Jesus, it says, is standing at the door knocking. And you know what happens when somebody stands at the door and knocks? You answer it. Or you run and hide, but you really should answer it. You know, when instead of knocking, maybe today we could say, Jesus stands at the door and has pushed the ring doorbell. And what do you do? You check your phone right away to see who's at the door. And I would say, go answer it. You see, he came to seek and save you. But here's the problem. Very few people like to admit that they're lost. Very few people like to admit. They would rather continue on like, like, like the typical guy. Never wanting to admit he's lost. No, no, I know where I'm going. Like, dude, you're in the desert. No, I know where I'm going. No, I know. You know, Siri's going to take care of it. Not, not always. Just admit that you're lost. And get back on track. Being lost in your car is one thing, but being lost for your eternal life, that's something totally different. And it's just that resistance and that pressure to say, well, I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. Hey, I know it's a hard thing to admit that you're wrong, to to acknowledge sin in your life. I mean, some of you are already like, man, that pastor didn't take but 10 minutes to tell me I was a sinner. But you know, that's not any new information to you. And I certainly don't mean that you're the only sinner in the room, even if you feel like it. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not in any different position than you are when it comes to sin. Sin has wrecked my life too. But what makes me different than some of you is that I acknowledge that failure before him. You know, here's my problem. Here was my problem, maybe it's yours. You know, when people were trying to talk to me about God and about my life, my response was, if somebody came to me, maybe I'm sitting in a church service like this, somebody said, you know, you're a sinner, everyone's a I would say, you know, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Like, you didn't have to convince me I was a bad person. I knew that I was bad. I knew that I had hurt people. I knew that I didn't care about, I knew, I didn't, you didn't have to convince me that I was bad, but my way out was this, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Like, I'm bad, but I could always find someone that was worse than me. And that would kind of give me a little bit of peace. You know, I'm bad, that's all right, but like, it's all right. I'm, I'm not the worst guy on the planet. But see, God doesn't measure like that. God doesn't measure on a scale where compared to someone else, so at least you're not as bad as so-and-so. No, the Bible, God, he just makes it pretty clear. We have all been wrecked by sin. Or in another way of saying it, the Bible says we have all sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no other way to read that in the Bible than to include yourself. We're all included. And that it doesn't take much to convince you that what the Bible says is true when it comes to us and it says, the Bible, God says, the wages of sin is death. You know how you work and you get a wage? You expect it, you get an hourly wage, you, get a, you, you have a salary, whatever it might be, you know, on payday you're supposed to get it because you worked, you worked, you get your wages. Well, the wages of sin, when you work for sin, it's always the same. It's always the same payday. It will destroy your life. Now and for all of eternity. You see, Jesus was born to find you. 
Not that you were lost to God. Not that he didn't know where you were. But it was his aim to find guys like Zacchaeus and say, hey, bro, you need to come. I, I got to go to your house. There's life change coming for you. Secondly, Jesus, why was he born? So he could be, we could become friends of God. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. In, in order to be friends of God, and that has to be a change, that means that those that are separated from God are not friends with God. And you know that the worst position you could be in is to be someone's enemy. And you know God declares those apart from him enemies. He uses that word. He uses that word not only to describe reality, but to give you a mental picture of how bad it is. It's not just I'm, I'm good, but I'm bad, but I'm not. Like it's serious stuff. Your life, your eternity, your eternal soul is serious stuff. You are, apart from Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. The Bible says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, when we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. The birth of Jesus was for the death of Jesus. The incarnation, God becoming man, the incarnation of Jesus was for the atonement, to bring you at one with God. Jesus was born to die so that we might live, so that we would enjoy friendship with God. Some of the best relationships that we enjoy on the earth is friendship. You know, a real friend that you can tell the truth to, and they'll tell you the truth, that you can open your heart to. One that you'll be walking through things thick and thin. A brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. God wants to be at peace with you. Jesus was born to bring peace. But before you can enjoy the peace of God, <laughs> you must surrender to the God of peace. It doesn't happen any other way. Thirdly, why was Jesus born? Well, he was born to give us life in its fullness. I mean, as good as you might have, you think of Zacchaeus, he had found ways around the difficulties. He was an extremely wealthy man. And many believe that wealth is what brings happiness. So you would say, well, man, Zacchaeus had his own easy street. He never has to worry about paying a bill. He never has to worry about anything. He's got more than you could possibly. Yeah, but, but he was ostracized by his friends and family. He was relegated to the outside. He was hated. He was despised. But you know how it is. You make allowances for the difficulties. You make allowances. You make excuses. You make reasons. I've got what I want, even though it's so painful and so hard. I'll deal with the pain. I'll deal with the hard. They don't like me. I don't care. I count my money. But see, Zacchaeus wasn't living life. He was just existing with a lot of money. Real life, the meaning of life, the fullness of life are found in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Medical science seeks to add years to your life, but only Jesus can add life to your years. True life. You can jot it down if you like or bring it in memory in John 10, 10, Jesus says this. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
abundant life, purposeful life, not just years to life, but life to your years. Jesus, he's the savior. A savior by definition is one who rescues, one who redeems, one who preserves, one who protects. And God wants to rescue us from a meaningless existence. He wants us to understand the value of relationships, enjoying the virtues of life, learning to give, learning to be generous. Tomorrow, no doubt, maybe even tonight, you'll open a bunch of wonderful gifts and goods and there'll be a wonderful time in just a few moments. But today, in this moment, God is offering you the gift of eternal life. And in him, you find everything you need for life and joy and satisfaction. I've always loved this quote. I share it every year. Because Jesus, he came to meet our greatest need. If our greatest need would, had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God sent us the smartest economist around. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have surely sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and so God sent us a savior. Wrapped up as a baby. The perfect gift of salvation available to you tonight for free. As you're experiencing life moment by moment. Wondering what the purpose might be. What's your purpose in life? What were you born for? You were born to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you were born. You were born to be redeemed by God. You were born to make a difference in your community, in your family. In your, you were born to be a vessel for the glory and honor and righteousness of God by faith. <laughs> Maybe you're listening in on the radio right now, watching online. You may not have this relationship with Jesus yet. Instead, you find yourself lonely and sad. You know, statistics say that the depression rates go sky high during the holidays. And I found it to be true among believers and unbelievers alike. But as we sing the call to let every heart prepare him room, you need to prepare room for Jesus, asking him to come into your life. As Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Like Zacchaeus, you got to let him in. Jesus inviting himself into your life, that's only met by, well, come on in. I don't understand why you still resist. I, I do understand if, it, if pain is a part of your life. I do get that because pain will, will warp your thinking. It'll change the way, you, you know, and, and I'm sure you've seen this to be true, that hurting people have a tendency to hurt people, and they build walls around their hearts, and they become caustic and sarcastic and complainers and they, they just don't see anything valuable in life anymore and most of it is just trying to protect themselves. You don't want to trust anyone anymore. You're listening to me right now, you don't even trust me and you don't even know me but because you've been hurt in a church before or a pastor did something wrong or some Christian along the way misrepresented God, I don't even have your trust yet. But I do appreciate you listening I do appreciate you being in a room filled with people that love God. I do appreciate that you're taking those steps toward God and not away from God. Listen, if you've been hurt by a church, you've been hurt by a pastor, you've been hurt by a Christian down the last place you worked or wherever it might be, let me just speak on behalf of the body of Christ for a moment. Please forgive us. 
Forgive us for misrepresenting God. The call from Jesus Christ is not to a church and to a pastor, to another. But he said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You come to me, not, not me as a pastor. Jesus would be saying, you come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. And along the way, even as you've been hurt, I'm sure you've hurt a few people yourself. It's a two-way street. It is a difficult world that we live in, touched and tainted and soaked with the sinful consequences of our decisions and others. But Jesus was born to rescue and redeem us and give us purpose in a wrecked, sinless, or sin-filled life. In a world that needed him, that little baby grew up and he lived a sinless, perfect life. He died a sinless, perfect death and he rose again and is alive today extending faith, hope, and love to anyone that will receive him. And through a real relationship with Jesus Christ, he has so many other things that he wants to do in your life if you'll just surrender. Let me end here. The Bible says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is true then, and it's true now. And if God would give us tomorrow, it will be true tomorrow. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up as they close the service with us. And the rest of you, I'm going to ask to stand. So let's just end our time today as we enter into whatever God has in store for us, standing together as a church. And I want to invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. And we're going to do it. You're going to, you're going to respond to the gospel right where you are. You're going to respond to the gospel in such a way where it's between you and God and and we're here in the room with you and we'll be there with you, but you know, ultimately it's you confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It's you believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and it's you telling him. And so let's pray together as a church and allow the Holy Spirit to seal these last final moments together. And Father, I know that anytime we're reminded of your goodness and anytime we're reminded of the purpose of your life, anytime we're reminded of, of the joy of knowing you that you are at work among us. Your word does not return empty. It always accomplishes <clears throat> the purposes for which it was sent. And so I'm grateful, God. I, I'm, I'm, I wish there wasn't so much difficulty and pain and all these crazy things in our lives, but it, it's the way it is. And we receive it from, we receive the good and the bad, the easy and the hard. And we choose to live our life not based on circumstances, but God, we choose to live our life based on faith. And we trust you. Even when our eyes don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't understand it, even when our questions go unanswered, we live by faith of those things that we do know and we do trust the God who has purpose and substance in our lives. And if you're here today and you would want to surrender your life to God, I want to lead you. Just pray with me, would you? You could just repeat after me. You could pray out loud. You could pray in your mind. It doesn't really matter because it's between you and God. 
I always like to say confessing with your mouth out loud, but God doesn't care. He loves you. And he will receive you. He says, hey, I want to come into your house today. Your response is, come on in. So you could say something like this. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me. To die for me. And I believe Jesus Christ rose again from the dead to forgive me of all my sin. And I dedicate my life to following you, God, from this day forward. Help me to turn away from my sinful past and to submit my life completely to you. And Father, we commit this evening to you and all the festivities. It's good to be happy and it's good to smile. And it's good even if the relationship is just me and you. You've promised to never leave me or forsake me. You promised never to abandon me. That even if mother and father would forsake me, you will not forsake me. And I pray that over our church family. I pray that over those, God, that are listening. I pray, God, that you would pour out a spirit of encouragement. You'd pour out a spirit of comfort. You'd pour out a spirit of holiness and commitment that as a church, God, we would head into the end of the year strong and then get up and head into the new year strong of all that you have in store for us. So thank you for the privilege of celebrating one of the most epic days ever happened on the earth. May we never forget the true reason for the season and all the busyness in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.